so this week's movie is Suspiria. Yee. 1977. You uh, watched this movie with my mom. I have watched this movie many times. I first saw this movie in high school. Uh, it was I had my friend Brad was he was kind of my for a while my go-to horror guy like we would rent up some movies mm-hmm. I'd sleep over at his house or he'd sleep over at mine and we would just watch a ton of horror movies like that's how I saw the original Evil Dead series uh, that's how I saw that's a that's a rough series to start it's a good one <laughs> in fact we started watching the Evil Dead series because Army of Darkness had come out but it wasn't yet on home video and so mm-hmm. we were eagerly awaiting Army of Darkness uh, I watched the first Evil Dead dead movie that's a rough one yeah the second one is is, the second one takes a hard right into comedy and the third Mm -hmm. one is just uh, action adventure not even a horror movie and then there's the great tv series ash versus evil dead and the wonderful remake uh from 2013 i think 2014 Mm -hmm. uh, by fede alvarez which was just phenomenal uh if even more brutal than the original so yeah i also watched uh, that one so this movie uh suspiria 1977 uh this is this is dario argento's next movie after the uh famous deep red mm-hmm. and as you remember from deep red he had uh gotten together with daria nicolodi who was the lead in that movie and she became his partner in crime he uh she came up with the story for this movie and then the two of them collaborated on the screenplay together mm-hmm. uh like not the whole story but like sort of the the meat of it uh the the is she credited yes so okay. the 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 inspiration for this though was a uh, was Thomas De Quincey's essay Suspiria de, Pro- de Profundis and mm-hmm. in the middle of sus- which is this like long uh, like essay on uh, basically being on drugs and what life is like being on drugs. Uh, just watch just watch Fantasia and you'll know. It's the sequel to uh, Confessions of an English Opium Eater, which is his 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 well, most well known. But in the middle of in the middle of uh, of this of this long essay, which is divided into like many different parts, is a, is an essay called uh, Lavana and Our Ladies of Sorrow. Uh, where he takes the Roman goddess of childbirth and he imagines that she has three companions, uh, Mater Lacrimarum, Mater Suspiriorum, and Mater Tenebrarum, uh, Our Lady of Tears, Our Lady of Sighs, and Our Lady of Darkness. Of and he, darkness. Yep. And he t- I know what that means. Oh, yeah? How do you know what that yeah. means? I took Latin. That's for right. Three years. <laughs> Pig Latin. Ute. Uc- yeah. I took Latin for. Yeah, I took Latin for th- Wait. three years. Uye Ute Atten. I don't speak Pig Latin. Someone tried to teach me it when I was in elementary school. You just take the first letter of the word, you move it to the end, and you add the vowel A. So your name yeah, would but be. I can't... Your name would be Illoway. But I can't. My brain doesn't process language like that. It's really hard. It's a really hard language to learn. Listen. Uh, I I feel bad for all the kids who had to learn it in school. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So he took this thing, Suspiria de Profundis, and Daria Nicolai filled it in with some family history, apparently some weird dreams that they had had. And also, I don't know if you remember, but at the end of Deep Red, he was like, I am done with Giallo. I Mm -hmm. have explored Giallo as far as I want to go. But I learned some cool things from it i want to kind of take the idea the concepts i learned as a filmmaker and expand them now into an even darker weirder realm and that is what suspiria Mm -hmm. is it is everything he learned from being a giallo filmmaker expanded into a darker weirder but strangely more colorful realm i always like colorful horror this is a colorful film I think that it it's more effective than the normal dark gritty horror that we see a lot. Uh-huh. Uh like how um oh what's that movie called? 
the Swedish one. It's not actually Swedish, but it's. it's... I don't know. Uh, the Snowman, <laughs> Mr. Policeman. I gave you all the clues. Which Swedish uh, one? It's not actually Swedish. It's just based on Swedish lore. Oh, uh, Troll Hunter? No. Um, I tried to think of something Swedish and I can't. Uh, uh, nope, that's Swiss. Uh, Midsummer. Midsummer, yes. In fact, interestingly enough, Alana has been invited to a Midsummer celebration. So uh, she will be taking Mitzi, and I don't know, I'm going to be like killed and put into a bear or something. <laughs> I, I, I guess, Have you seen that movie yet? Uh, uh, I've seen enough of it. I don't. It's so good. I know. I, I saw that in the theaters. It is your favorite movie since The Witch. Um, I hate that movie. Um, <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> Uh, but we are not here to discuss Midsommar. We are here to discuss Suspiria by uh, Dario Argento. Um, and are you ready to watch uh, Suspiria? Hey, everybody. I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's, it's Del, Toro Del Toro time. time. Suspiria. 1977's Suspiria. Uh, this was your first time watching it. Mm-hmm. And uh, expectations met, not neutral. What you think? I mean, I knew it was going to be weird because you talked about how weird it was going to be. Right. And uh, I we'd already seen some some Dario Ar- Argen- Argen- Argento. Yeah, Argento? we saw Deep Red. Yep. Yeah. So I kind of had some expectations around that. And I'd say my expectations were met. All right. I knew it was going to be more surreal than Deep Red was. Definitely more surreal. Um, and that there was going to be some interesting uh, cinematic shots in there. 99% of the film is interesting cinematic shots. And that there was probably going to be some, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Some uh, subtle, some subtle, subtle slash not subtle pointers towards fascism and probably something to do with World War II. So yeah, so the 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 aspects of this movie that that point towards fascism are incredibly well hidden. Uh, they are mm-hmm. they are far under the surface. They are obvious once they're pointed out to you, but like the mm-hmm. nods at fascism in Deep Red, they're right there in front of you, but you have to know to look for them. And you might know to better to look mm-hmm. for them if you are from Italy or Germany uh, and yeah. you're an older film goer in the 1970s mm-hmm. yeah yeah we uh we watched we both watched a special feature from the uh from the blu-ray release about the location shooting in suspiria and how the location shooting was pretty much all about pointing out fascism in germany in post mm-hmm. in in post-world war ii germany so uh so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the music of Goblin. We'll talk about the performances in this. We'll talk about the use of color. There's a lot going on. In a nutshell, though, what is this movie about for people who don't know what Suspiria is? A young woman mm-hmm. who's a dancer, and she goes to a exclusive dance academy in Germany. Yeah. And some weird stuff starts happening, and people die, and she has to defeat the witches. She has to defeat the also, witches. Also, this yeah. movie... Uh, caused me actual pain for a couple of days after we watched it. How come? Because during... So there's a scene in the movie with maggots. And during that scene, I was... The entire time I was incredible... Like, I was dry heaving pretty much the entire time. <laughs> it's gross. Like, painfully dry heaving. Uh, and it pulled a muscle in my... Uh, <laughs> Well, good. <laughs> uh, a horror movie should affect you physically. So, so kudos to Dario Argento for the absolutely disgusting and pretty unexplained maggot scene from Suspiria. You think it's going to be, I don't know, bodies in the attic, but it isn't. It's it's just old meat. 
And you think they're lying about the meat, but you see the old meat. Maybe it's people meat. Maybe it's Soylent Green. It gets the wonderful explanation, though, of like, I get they I didn't even know they had delivered. I didn't know the meat was so old when they delivered it and stored it in the attic. And I'm like, why were you storing meat in the attic? This is the most like, <laughs> but as it as gets pointed out by Troy Howarth in the in one of the commentary tracks, like you're not supposed to think about that. Like those aren't questions. None of the movie makes sense anyway. It's just it's just supposed to like breeze past you and then you run on to the next scene. So, uh... but it doesn't because we are the pair that points out things that are of course unnecessary. And this movie is like a dream. Like the whole thing is. From the moment she leaves the mm-hmm. airport is pretty much dream logic the whole way down. Like things don't make sense. Motivations are murky at best. Uh, the the one time she actually gets to leave campus and everything returns to like normal and muted colors. Uh, you get an explanation. You get two explanations for what's going on in the school that flatly contradict each other. And then she goes, yeah. And then mm-hmm. she goes back to the school and kills a witch. And you're like, all right, I guess we're done. And then he makes a sequel to it. So, uh, yeah, so Susie Banyan, uh, played by Jessica Harper, who we saw previously in uh, in mm-hmm. Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, she's back. Big, mm-hmm. big wide eyes and everything. What, what did you think of what did you think of Jessica Harper in this role? I liked her. Yeah, uh, I thought she fit the role pretty well. She was pretty like it was it's one of those things where I think that had it been an ordinary horror movie, she wouldn't have fit the role. But she was just so chill. Mm hmm. <laughs> Like, her tone, she was so monotone the entire time. Yeah. And, like, her voice never, like, changed in, like, pitch. She never, like, seemed to get overly emotional. Yeah. She was just like, yes, this is happening now. <laughs> she gets, she does. All of her emotion was in her eyes. Yeah. I was going to say, she gets pretty freaked out. But, yeah, it's mostly her eyes get so yeah. big, you could, like, eat spaghetti off of them. Yeah, I thought she fit the role pretty well. Yeah, so Argento saw her in Fam of the Paradise. Like, that's like one of the only things he could have seen her in at that point and he was like i want that woman to be in my movie uh he she got approached to be in the film she was like great she read the script she was like there's not a whole lot here but i trust you that you'll do a good job making this movie she said the whole experience was wonderful that he was a great guy he was intense but he was never like weird or mean uh and that he and I would say this screenplay, the script to the screenplay, like the story itself is is weird and wacky. The script itself, like the dialogue between the characters, it's not that like strong. It's not it. It's mostly no. characters saying what's going on and saying that their names begin with the letter S. Uh, and that means that they're snakes. I liked that that character. She was great. And I wanted to see more of her. We'll talk about her. Uh, but I would say that if it hadn't been for Jessica Harper, her she being Jessica Harper with the eyes and the voice like she has that really low voice mm-hmm. really makes this character if it had been someone else she could have just been a cipher she could have just been sort of a blank character with no real personality because mm-hmm. she's there's she's not written there's not a whole lot to her she mostly just reacts to things uh, but Jessica Harper mm-hmm. is so she is so still and she's so strong mm-hmm. uh, in her presence that the whole time you're like she's not doing much but I also feel like she's not going to take much guff from anyone. She's no victim. Yeah. Uh, the only time she really is like forced to do anything against her will is when she's sick and dancing. Mm-hmm. And that's like, well, you can't really do much when you've been like hypnotized by a witch. Yeah. And like, even then, I don't know. It's like, I could see her. She could have put up more of a fight, but also she's like, yeah, I'm here to dance. So I may as well. Well, yeah. And you don't think that you're like being beset by witches. Bleeding from the brain. When you first get someplace. Um, 
So yeah. yeah, so so she arrives uh, by plane. She leaves the airport. This is our first exposure, by the way, the opening credits, and then at the airport to goblins haunting the Suspiria theme, which is why remember remember their score for uh for Deep Red? It had that that la 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 like that thing. This is like that, but like warped and cranked up to like eleven. Like they now yeah. it's now instead of being like children singing, it's like la 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 like, the whole time. <laughs> And like them mm-hmm. every once in a while going, witch. And yep. we talked about this while we're watching it. There are times when you're not sure if the music is diegetic or non-diegetic. Like, are the characters hearing mm-hmm. this? Or is this supposed to be part of the scene? Like the chanting and the and the and the mocking la 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 la's. Uh, but it's a pretty <laughs> rad score. You freaked yourself out listening to it while you were running once, right? I did. Uh, around Halloween, I have a <laughs> Halloween playlist and one, a few of them. And one of them is just film scores. And I was jogging once. And it was October. So it was very dark when I was jogging. And uh, the Suspiria theme was playing with all the chanting and the witch. And, I, and it freaked me out. It was a little freaky running in the dark with Goblin screaming in my ears about witches. Um, but she takes this. she takes a cab to the school the cab driver is played by uh argento regular who uh who tends to play i can't i can't find his name i'm searching for it i'm searching for it i am searching for it give me a sec give me a sec give me a sec there's so many just dancers in this um Mm -hmm. taxi driver played by fulvio mingozzi and uh fulvio mingozzi he was in deep red uh, we saw him in Deep Red uh, as I think as a taxi driver as well, or or a uh, or a cop. He plays cops and taxi drivers. He's also in Inferno, Phenomena, Tenebrae, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Cat of Nine Tails. He's in a ton of Italian crime films. Uh, just a character actor. Uh, and uh, while she's driving, though, while he's driving her there, they pass by the Black Forest. Yeah, um, I wasn't really focused on the trees while we were watching because I was too focused on the shadow that I saw. Yes. That you didn't seem to see. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> there was at the edge, like the front edge of the camera or like the bottom edge of the screen, you see like what looks like a scythe mm-hmm. appear um, as a shadow and then it sort of disappears. And yeah. I was like, is, what is that? Well, she gets to the school and uh, as another student is rushing out, uh, this mm-hmm. girl whose character name is Pat Hingle, which is hilarious because Pat Hingle is also the name of a uh, American character actor who is a plump old man who is known for <laughs> many character roles, including the role of uh, Commissioner James Gordon in Tim Burton's Batman films. Uh, but it's such a specific name that like, it's funny that I mean, he was a known character actor at the time that she, that she, that Argento chose to, to name this character, Pat Hingle. Uh, but yeah, she, she runs out of the school and Susie is like, hi, I'm here to go to this dance school. And they're like, whoever is on the other end of the intercom is like, I'm sorry, you have to no. leave. Yeah. So she gets told that she has to leave. So she has to like go find a place to stay during this like downpour. And that's yeah. what she sees. She sees this girl, Pat running through the black forest. Uh, on her drive like back and uh, and this is where we get our first major murder scene Uh, the death murder well the deaths of both uh, Pat and her friend 
who uh, who she goes to stay with. I don't with. know why they killed her friend. Um, oh, they I did I did I did say that the person from Kironeko did come and kill them at first. That's what my first thought was. <laughs> well, they have the hairy hand, the yes. hairy cat hand. So she is she looks through the window in this apartment outside. She's like several stories up. She sees a pair of glowing eyes and then a hand bursts through the window that is a large hairy arm and it grabs her. It ends up stabbing her repeatedly, uh, including into her yeah. open chest wound into her beating heart. And mm-hmm. then she gets forced through a skylight and hung from the skylight. And then her friend is down below and her friend gets impaled by the falling glass and metalwork. Uh, so it's a double murder, two for the price of one. I don't know if the hairy arm thing was trying to kill the other other girl, but hey, who's complaining? Also, it's incredibly bloody. Also, whose hairy arm was that? Like, it, it's one of the unexplained supernatural things in this. Like you already are like, okay, you yeah. know that she's on the second or third floor. There's no way to stand outside this window. An arm comes through. Like there's something weird going on already. This is not your normal mm-hmm. giallo. This is not a giallo murder. If you think, oh, Argento, I'm going to see a giallo movie. Uh, this happens and it's like, wait a minute. Already things are really off in this film. Glowing eyes, hairy arm, second story. Things are off to a wicked start. That's like the one death in the the movie that can't be explained away by natural occurrences. Yeah. Not like natural occurrences, but like not supernatural stuff. Because right. the, the second death is the man with the dog, right? That can be explained. The dog was like rabbit or something. Right. Something Just something wrong with your dog. But before we get to something something that's wrong with my dog, Susie does make it back to the school and she meets the headmistress and the headmistress like the and the head teacher uh, at the school. We meet mm-hmm. Joan Bennett as Madame Blanc and uh, Alida Valley as Miss Tanner. And Joan Bennett was an American actress. Uh, she had had a huge career, like this incredible career. Uh, and then kind of like her her big comeback was in the TV series uh, Dark Shadows, where she played mm-hmm. the head of like the uh, the household like that was like she was like the like the main woman in dark shadows for years while that show was on the air then she got suspiria and suspiria was kind of pretty much the end of like, this was like her big comeback but it was also just kind of the end of her career uh like mm-hmm. it was kind of a one and done Girl deal and then she yeah she did like some tv movies and stuff but that was it um joe bennett but she's great i really enjoy watching her uh mm-hmm. uh and speaking of another character actress who was also a beauty queen in her early in her days was uh, alita volley as the main teacher and uh, whose name was miss tanner Tanner. who is a terrifying looking woman yeah but alita volley in her time was like she was cast as just like a statuesque beauty and uh Mm -hmm. we of course saw her in eyes without a face she was the assistant to the doctor oh as the nurse yep uh the somewhat sympathetic character of the assistant so this is our second alita volley movie killed yeah she is phenomenal in this movie uh she's so scary and so intense and uh, i just love watching her so uh susie is introduced to these women uh she also gets introduced to pavlos played by giuseppe Mm -hmm. transoki who is also terrifying yes (laughs) yeah and he's kind of a henchman you start seeing these people kind of in the background like who don't speak uh there's a like a creepy older woman who hangs out with the creepy little boy there's two cooks Mm-hmm. And the main there's two cooks, there's a little boy, the little boy who we saw in Deep Red, who played the creepy little boy uh, in the flashback sequences. And he is yep. equally creepy in this movie simply by sitting and staring. He is a terrifying child. He has a bad haircut. Uh, Yeah, he looks like he wants to murder you. 
used specifically. Probably because he has such a bad haircut. Yeah, it's terrifying. I wouldn't blame him. If somebody gave me that haircut, I'd probably want to stab them too. He's a terrible little boy. It's a terrifying little boy. Uh, Jacopo Mariani. He's the true omen. He is very omen-like. And a lot of this, so a lot of the, so we're in this school and there's all these like weird staff. And of course, ultimately you learn about the, the, the coven and the witches. But you're never really sure who all in this school is in on it, who all is part mm-hmm. of the coven. And that brings us to the students. Uh, and the first major student we meet, who is your favorite and many people's favorites, Olga. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the mysterious and the beautiful Olga, played by Barbara Manolfi. Manolfi? I don't know how to say her last name. Barbara Manolfi, who plays Olga, is to this day more than thrilled to talk about her role in Suspiria. Like she has kind of made this her thing on the convention circuit and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you can go to horror cons and she will be there and she will be more than happy to shake your hand and sign your poster. Uh, but so she plays Olga. So describe Olga to the, to the listening audience. She's a lot like the mean girl from the house that screams. Mm-hmm. Is that the movie I'm thinking? Of? Yeah. I think you're thinking of house that screams. Uh, except for less like intense with the mean girl thing, but she, she's genuine. She seems like, she's not mean to be mean, I think. She's mean to, like, poke fun. Like, she seems to have a genuinely, like, decent relationship with the other people in the, the school. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, if you talk to if you, uh, if you talk to Barbara uh, Manolfi about it, she has said on record several times that originally Olga was a much larger role. And mm-hmm. that it was supposed to be made explicit later in the movie. She was supposed to come back and have a scene where you discover that she was actually part of the coven and that she was used mm-hmm. to kind of like test out the other girls. Uh, no one has ever seen these scenes or these scripts. Uh, this is all coming just from her. But there's no reason. I have no reason to disbelieve her unless she's just like interested in like sort of like upping her, her, her role. But she did say that she was no, disappointed. I mean, it, makes, it, it makes sense. Uh, with the way that they introduced her mm-hmm. and like the the fact that Susie was sent to live with her at yeah. first. I could definitely see her being part of the coven. Maybe Argento had bigger plans for the supporting characters, but then was like, you know what? That is actually not what this movie is about. This movie isn't about mm-hmm. making sense and building these other characters up. This movie is about visuals and sound and sort of suggesting things rather than explaining anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, she's, she's a bit of a mean girl, but also kind of not like she's just kind of weird. And she's like start strikingly beautiful. Uh, her apartment mm-hmm. is amazing. And uh, it looks yes. like it looks like an M.C. Escher painting uh, because it's impossible to tell where the walls begin and end. Uh, but that's fine because M.C. Escher is called out by name. Uh, I believe the school is on Escher, uh, the made up, the fictional Escher's, Escherstrasse, uh, which is named mm-hmm. specifically after M.C. Escher. So you sort of get an idea that like nothing you see in this movie is supposed to is is what it appears to be. Uh, I should call out that the school mm-hmm. itself is is based on on the appearance of the house zoom Walfisch, the house of the whale on Franziskanerstrasse, which is a famous old weird looking red building. And uh, they mm-hmm. basically, they copied it almost point for point for this movie, just to sort of get the look of the school. Um, the house was mm-hmm. damaged in a bombing raid in 1944, uh, but restored in 1948. A bank is in it now. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's one of those, it's just one of those landmarks that like he chose very specifically uh, uh, for mm-hmm. this movie. Which did we mention the movie set in Germany? It's set in Germany. <laughs> we also end up meeting uh, another student 
who is known as Sarah, played by Stefania Cassini, um, who kind of becomes Susie's only friend, really, at the school. So uh, just to sort of like zip through this, Susie, uh, the, her room isn't ready when she gets there, so she has to stay with uh, Olga. She's then told that her room is ready, but she doesn't want to leave. She's like, no, you know what? I'm happy off campus. And uh, and at this point, she is some, sort of hypnotized by the cook uh, who sort of flashes light into her eyes as she's walking in the hallway. She gets sick during her first dance class, passes out, and the doctor tells her she has to stay on campus for treatment. Treatment which involves eating meat and drinking prescription wine. Uh, but now she is, she, she is sort of uh, deliberately kept from leaving the school at this point. Um, mm -hmm. And she's staying in her own room. But this is where the scene with uh, the maggots comes in. Because as much as you hate to talk about it, where do the maggots come from? The ceiling. Right. And they don't just fall on Susie. They fall on everybody. Everyone. Which forces the girls to all abandon their rooms and go live in the gymnasium, Revenge of the Nerds style. <laughs> I was going to say Harry Potter style, but... They don't sleep in the gymnasium in Harry Potter. No, but they sleep in the uh, the Great Hall, which turns into the dueling grounds, which is technically a wizard gymnasium. So in Revenge of the Nerds, the, the jocks burn down their frat house and like accidentally during, Bruh, a, during a party. They burn it down. And so the coach screams at the headmaster of the college or the whoever... And the nerds are forced out of their dorms so the jocks can live there. And the nerds all have to live in the gym where they set up a bunch of cots. And that inspires the nerds to find their own fraternity. And then the revenge of the nerds happens. Then they get their revenge. And it's... That's not legal for a school to do. That's okay because also, none of the... huge... None of the things the nerds it's end up doing in the movie, in the none of the things the nerds do in Revenge of the Nerds are legal either. So it all balances out. In fact, the stuff the nerds do no. is probably 10 times worse than anything the jocks do. Uh, you know what? If I had been forced out of my school dorm that I was paying thousands and thousands of dollars for every semester by a bunch of a-holes mm -hmm. and the school was like, no, we can't do anything about it. I would probably do some pretty illegal stuff to get them out of my dorm as well. The nerds commit multiple sexual assaults. That's not good. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> which is which is passed off as hilarious slapstick comedy in 1984's Revenge of the Nerds, which, uh, it's a terrible little film. I was thinking, like, murder or arson. No, uh, no. That's not what happens in Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, things that were... were or like pouring maggots on them from the ceiling would have been better than what the revenge of the nerds is uh it's a terrible little film so is revenge of the nerds 2 so is revenge of the nerds 3 and especially revenge of the nerds 4 uh the last two were tv movies the first one is hard r the second one was pg-13 nerds in paradise and then the last two were made for tv family movies which is really weird couldn't get the cast back either except for booger and i think david carradine in any case uh the girls do not commit felonies uh after this they do not stage a panty raid uh they instead go to sleep in the dorm <laughs> and the dorm is curtained off 
and like the teachers are also mm -hmm. there. Like they're sleeping behind the curtains, which are eerily lit with bright red lights. But who is behind the curtain, even though they all think she's off campus? The headmaster. Whose name is? Mother Suspiriorum. Is that her name? That's her name. Mater Suspiriorum. Mother Suspiriorum. Uh, the headmistress. How do you know the headmistress is there, though? What is her one giveaway? She snores. She snores really Real loud. And it, it was, it she wasn't, has a sleep apnea. It wasn't until someone pointed this out in one of the, I think it was Troy Howarth may have pointed out in his, in his, uh, in his, or you no, know, it wasn't Troy Howarth. It was. I want to give credit where it is due. Um, uh, it was either David Duvall or Derek Botello in the other in the other uh, commentary track points out that yes, Mother Suspiriorum means mother of size. That is why she snores all the time. It's not snoring. It's this intense, um... like she breathes heavily. She's the mother of size. Uh, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's why she would <sighs> like. I disagree, <sighs> but okay. She would just be like constantly sighing. She's constantly fed up with everyone. <laughs> I didn't that didn't sound like sighing though it sounded like someone had sleep apnea it does sound like sleep apnea but what is sighing but sleep apnea during the day uh, I used to work with a guy named Steve who would sigh constantly uh, so much so that we actually came up with a rule at work he was not allowed to sigh uh, uh, anymore like you, you would say something and he would just go <sighs> And then he would go on with his, like, whatever he was saying. And we were finally just like, you cannot sigh anymore, Steve. So uh, in any case, uh, Mother Suspiri, yes, Mother Suspiriorum. Are you sure he wasn't a witch? He actually probably is, uh, now that I think about it. Um, she's there. The girls are like, this is weird. Maggots from the ceiling caused by old meat. Don't know what that's all about. Susie is constantly eating meat and taking uh, uh, this wine, which causes her, clearly is causing her to fall asleep all the time. We don't know why. I mean, wine can also just cause you to fall asleep. That's true. She could just be barely sensitive to the tannins <laughs> in wine. We, uh, we don't know. There's also a guy at the school. Uh, there is yeah. a, there's a boy dance student played by Miguel Bosé. And all you need to really know about Miguel Bosé is that he plays Mark, who's kind of a friendly guy. He's a bit ineffectual. He doesn't do much. He's around. We don't know mm -hmm. if he's part of the coven. He's very handsome. Um, but Miguel Bosé didn't have... He's very handsome. Miguel Bosé uh, was an actor. He had an acting career, but he's mostly known for a singing career. Uh, he's a pop star, um, not uh, unknown either. He's like very popular in Europe. Uh, and he got a lot of attention in the last year for being uh, a anti-mask anti conspiracy theorist. So Woo! you go, Miguel Bosé. Thanks for revealing Thanks for your true color shine through uh, your Mother Suspiriorum. That's why Mother Conspiriorum. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's why the movie was so colorful. It was trying to show his true colors. I am looking at his uh, at his film credits on Letterboxd, and it shows you like all the movies uh, in order of popularity, but like all their posters. And there are so many. He must have done a lot of like spanish and italian films there are so many of these posters just have a naked woman like it's just a naked woman and uh one of them is called la orca which i think means the whale but it's clearly not a whale it is a woman tied up on a bed uh but one of them is called la mirada del otro um and it's a woman kissing what looks to be uh the upper upper part of someone's uh, pubic area <laughs> so great keep it classy anti-masker so yeah so he's around he's a nice guy 
Um, but now let's get to the uh, let's get to the blind man, the late great Flavio Bucci. Uh, who just died, uh, not this past February, but February 2020 at the age of 72, been in a billion films um, and, and is a and is a well-known uh, Italian character actor, voice actor, um, uh, producer. He plays Daniel in this movie and he gets one of the most gruesome murders in the movie. What happens to poor Daniel? He gets his throat ripped out by his seeing eye dog. He gets his throat ripped out by his own seeing eye dog. After spending a day in a beer hall, uh, a very... Where Nazis would congregate. Uh, an incredibly famous beer hall. You're right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it is. This is the beer hall uh, where Hitler held his original meetings that for what would become the mm-hmm. Nazi party. Hofbrauhaus. And where you can still go, it's still there. It's still mm-hmm. like the most famous beer hall in Germany, and it's like a legit beer hall. Like, and we see like guys in lederhosen mm-hmm. doing their like slap each other in the face dance, and they seem to be having a good time. But yeah, he leaves it, mm-hmm. and he ends up uh, somehow on the set. Of... He doesn't leave it. He's escorted out by a woman. Mm-hmm. Well, he's he's blind. She's helping him out because Just... his dog can't be inside. It doesn't look like he's ready to leave, though. He's just, like, sitting there, and she's like, come along now. She knows when he needs to leave. She doesn't want him to get too drunk. He ends up somehow on the set of Night of the Eagle. Uh, yep. <laughs> in the middle of Night of the Eagle. Uh, and also yep. in another very famous uh, Nazi location, um, the Koenigsplatz, yep. um, which is where Hitler had uh, many of his huge rallies. And also where one Nazi guy was like, there's too much grass here. Mm-hmm. And said, too much grass. Get rid of it. Get rid of the grass. Get rid of the grass. Is walking through this area. It's empty. He looks up. He sees the giant eagle statue on the building. He looks back up and it's gone. And then it comes to life. And it comes, and it to, comes life. to life. And it and, and it swoops flies him. down at him. Mm-hmm. We don't see it. Uh, I think I think Night of the Eagle, the coven from Night of the Eagle and from this movie, join forces briefly. Well, I do love it. I love how so much of Night of the Eagle... Like, I had never watched, seen Night of the Eagle, never heard of it until we, like, did it. And mm-hmm. a lot of these movies credit it as, like, a big influence on, like, mm-hmm. maybe not filmmaking-wise, even though I think that the, the the statue in this movie is a clear homage to it. But the way covens mm-hmm. are portrayed as is kind of just like, no, they're just women in everyday life. And mm-hmm. you see them, you don't, excuse me, you don't know they're witches. And they're using their powers mostly for financial and personal gain like this isn't these aren't witches in the sense of like we're communing with the earth we're communing with the spirits we're healers we're cursors like no we're doing it to get money and get into positions of power and to influence things and like have an easier life of it you know that's one of my my qualms with this movie it's because the dude who's like yes they're witches is like they're evil they're planting their seeds of evil and they're going to destroy the planet and i'm like dude if no one bothered them you wouldn't know they existed. Well, one of the things that we're, I guess, supposed to infer from this movie is that they are actually sacrificing young women <laughs> in order to oh, get okay. their power. Well, I didn't infer that. Uh, that there's something shifty going on at this school, and part of it is that girls are dying. Um, Daniel yeah, well, dies. I didn't infer that. So, <laughs> so Daniel, his dog gets accused of attacking the creepy little boy. We don't see this. We don't see it happen. But that's what gets him fired from the school. And he flips out. And he's like, I know there's stuff going on here. Like, people are going to find out about this place. And that's his dog. His own dog ends up turning on him and ripping his throat out. Uh, but the, dog's, the dog lives as far as we know. I don't think the dog lived. We, 
The dog runs off. Then the cops show up. One of them runs after the dog. No, the dog doesn't. It the runs dog off. doesn't run off. Yeah, it does. It does? Yeah, it runs off. It's just sitting there. No, then the cops come in and then they both run after the dog. And we were like, and you, I was expecting to hear a gunshot. Nope, you never hear a gunshot. I like to believe the dog is still alive today. It is fine. Maybe it joined the eagle and they're both happy together. Uh, I think the dog is dead because it's a dog and the policeman probably caught it. And we're like, well, this dog killed a man. We're going to put it down now. I do think it's funny that both of the policemen ran after the dog and just sort of left the body there for a while. They probably called it in. I hope someone called it in. But in any case, he gets his throat ripped out. He gets his throat ripped out by the friendliest dog in the world, by the way. This (laughs) dog at no point looks intimidating, except when it's a puppet. (laughs) It is a hand puppet. And we do get to see the dog enjoying a nice steak as well. The you see this hilarious puppet grabbing his throat, and then you cuts to like an act the actual dog, yeah, like eating meat off the ground happily. It's just like, yum, 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 I love to eat the meat. Um, <laughs> our second movie in the row with 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 attack dogs, by the way, um, attack dogs yep. that are obviously very friendly animals. Um, really, so the yeah. ones from the omen scared me, but they were like always wagging their tails and like, <laughs> were like, they? They were dubbed over with growls. They were clearly happy happy to be working. Um, so they didn't fu- ever hurt anyone either, right? They mo- the guys mostly hurt themselves uh, in the Omen. Um, so yeah. Su- Susie's been doing a little uh, research into this into this school, and uh, not Susie. Sarah's been doing research into the school, mm-hmm. and she was the one who turned Susie away on her the night she came there. Um, she said that Pat has been acting weird uh, and had been doing some some poking around of her own. So Pat had been finding out stuff about the school that she told to Susie. Um, and uh, and Susie has connections on the outside. Not Susie. God, I keep saying Susie. Wait, you mean? Sarah. Yeah. They, they both have names that begin with S's because they're snakes. Hiss. Sarah has connections on the outside. That's we. Sh- that's that's something that Olga says at yes. the beginning of the movie. By the way, <laughs> it's a weird scene. Sarah has a friend on the outside who is who who has may have some answers. But before she can get in contact with her connections, Sarah gets killed. How does she get killed? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she is trying to wake Susie up, and mm. there's someone in the hallway that's going to come into the room. Right. So she runs. She runs and she locks herself in. Well, she goes into this weird hallway. She gets jump scared. She locks herself in a room. Yeah. And the slowest lock picking session begins. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is right. Okay. So she's she shut herself. All you have to do is stick a stick a stick through the thing and lift up the lock. And it looks mm-hmm. like the lock weighs like what? Half a half a hundred pounds. Uh, well, it oh, yeah, looks like, like it weighs no pounds. Nothing. But the person mm-hmm. on the other side of the door is acting like it weighs 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So she's pursued through this building. Um, how does she ultimately meet her death? It's pretty painful. Uh, she goes through a window mm-hmm. and falls into a pile of razor Ra- wire is what you said? Yeah, razor wire. It's just wire, but you assume it's like razor wire. It's like a, it's like a saw mm-hmm. trap. It is. I believe there actually is a trap in saw where you have to crawl through razor wire. And... If I was in the Saw movies, I would just be like, blow my head up. Yeah. Oh, no. I would be dead immediately. I'd be like, I'm done. I'd be like, you can kill me. I'm fine. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait this <laughs> out then. Like, it's better than getting worked up. Um, but so, yep. yeah. So she has to go into the razor wire. Or if they were like, you need to either cut open your own stomach and get a key out of it, or we're going to kill this innocent. I'd be like, I'm really sorry, dude. Uh-huh. 
I don't think I can't do it. Like I wouldn't even be crying. I would just be like, I'm sorry. Sorry. I can't do it. Bye. Uh, I'd be terrible at saw. Um, but then so is Sarah. Yeah. Cause she gets, she doesn't get killed by the razor wire. Then she ends up getting killed by the murderer who is another, mm-hmm. also the glowing eyes person. It's the glowing eyes, whoever yeah. that is. It's the it, cat from Kuroneko. It is the cat from Kuroneko. Uh, so then Susie, that's her name. Uh, decides to go meet with these this contact that sarah had on the outside world and it is a young man uh young handsome lad played by udo kier his name is dr frank mandel um have we seen udo kier in anything i don't think we have i mean i've seen him in a million things udo kier is in johnny mnemonic he's in uh 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 the remake of halloween from uh like 10 years ago He's in Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> he's in my. He's in my own. He's in Dogville. He's in Blade. He's in Blade. Yep. He's in End of Days. Udo Kier is a very famous actor. He's been in a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things. Um, I was about to say we have seen him. He was in Suspiria, and then I was like, oh right. He yeah. is in Suspiria. He's in the movie we were talking about. Um, he's in a scary-looking Pinocchio movie. He is. All Pinocchio movies are scary-looking, so that's redundant. But yes, he no, is. No, no, you don't understand. Dad, you don't you don't understand. I'm gonna make you understand. He's in Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. He's in Flesh for Frankenstein, which I've seen. If you ever see Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, um, that's Pinocchio. Yep, he's in. Uh, I believe he's in both versions of of that Pinocchio. There's because that that's a uh, there's that Pinocchio came out and then had a sequel, like an unoffic- like a sequel to it. I think Udo Kier is in both of them. Um, He's just one of those actors who pops up in a lot of things. I think he's like does voiceover work for like Batman the Animated Series too. Like he's just in a ton of things. He tells Susie that that uh basically that there's that what like there's no such thing as witches or something. That yeah. like anything supernatural can be explained away by by I have I have seen him in something. What have you seen him in? Fear.com. You saw him in fear.com. His best work. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> So this guy tells her that the school that she's at was was founded by a witch named Helena Marcos and that there's no such thing as witchcraft. It's one of those famous quotes in Argento, which is that, you know, things that we think of are caused by broken mirrors are actually caused by broken minds. Uh, The first work of scholarship done on Dario Argento was a famous book called Broken Mirrors, Broken Minds, which I highly recommend. It's a great book. Um, But then he's like, oh, but my friend Professor Milius is here uh, and he's actually an expert on the occult. And then Professor Milius shows up, who's a much older man, played by Rudolf Schundler. Uh, and Rudolf Schindler was in a movie that we also just recently saw. Do you know what it is? Was it Beehives? No. Rudolf was Schindler? It... You're just naming movies. Was now. it? I'm going to go ahead and say it. He was in The Exorcist. He played oh, okay. the butler who gets in a fight with the director about whether or not he's a Nazi. And the butler who's like, I will lay out more rat traps, madame. Uh, Max, I think his name was. And, uh, and yes, same actor. Uh, we, there's, uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is there's a lot of actors in this movie who we've seen already. Uh, a mm-hmm. great multi. That's not surprising. We've watched. We have watched a lot, a lot of, of movies, movies. <laughs> and we're getting we're dealing a lot with... of movies in this genre. <laughs> and we're dealing with a lot of filmmakers now who are paying homage to the movies that we've seen. So they're using a lot of actors mm-hmm. that we've seen. Um, yeah, he plays he plays this professor. He plays Professor Milius, who basically tells Susie that uh, uh, no witches are real. <laughs> 
and this coven is using its power to gain more power uh and that they will stop at nothing uh, and that they're and does he tell her about mother suspirio no he doesn't tell her the three mothers because that doesn't come until inferno um but that yeah. helena helena marcos I, is there the idea that a coven is powerless without the leader of the coven is ridiculous right for one <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, sort of, it's sort of werewolf rules. Like, if you kill the main werewolf, then you kill everyone. Like, you, you undo all the power. That's not even werewolf rules, though. That is one of the werewolf rules. And one of the werewolf lore is that if you kill the werewolf that sired other werewolves, it'll cure the other werewolves. That is one of the versions. That doesn't of... make any sense either. That's the That's curse stupid. version. That's, like, the religious curse version. You kill the cursor, you kill. So in this version of witchcraft, if you kill the head of a coven, the rest of the coven will lose all of its power and that's uh, dumb what i love is that they're like so this dance school was founded as a dance school and a cult school at the same time like it used to be for both then they got rid of the occult stuff now it's just dance and it reminds me of like when i first moved out to minneapolis and every video store was a video store slash tanning salon and i was like well those two things don't seem to go together but okay and it's like someone's like oh another dance slash witchcraft school opened up to be fair, it was a girls-only dance school. It was a girls-only dance school. And every girl has a witchcraft phase. That's true. So that's power, my friends, right there. Um, but he's like, he cut off the head of the coven, the rest of the coven will die. And so Susie's like, I... She gets back to the school and they're like, oh, your friend Sarah left. She left. Le she, she moved. While you were out, she, she, le she moved away. We don't know what happened. She, I guess she just left. She's gone now. And she's like, huh. So everyone at the school is off seeing a production by the Bolshoi Ballet, apparently. So the school is pretty empty. Uh, now, apparently in the original screenplay, originally as the story was going to be written, the students were actually doing their final production. Like they're actually, there was going to be a huge dance at the end. While Susie is doing her stuff, it was going to be like cutting back to the, to the dancers doing their stuff. And that's kind of, you got the idea that that's where the witches were drawing kind of their power was from the power of this dance, which is something that we actually see in the remake of Suspiria that like the dance and the witch's power are intrinsically tied up. Argento was like, no, too much. We don't want any dancing at this dance academy. <laughs> I don't care about the dance. Uh, so everyone's just, they're off seeing a play. They're off campus. I love it. It's like, who is everyone? I don't know. They went to the ballet. Um, so Susie gets attacked by our favorite bat. I'll just leave this smashed bat on the ground covered in someone's towel. She does kill the bat. Uh, she pours out her wine. She doesn't drink her wine this time, which uh, leaves a huge stain in the sink. Um, so that's when we're like, something. yeah, that's blood wine. Yep, she's been drinking her blood into a vampire. Wine. And this is like the last. This is like the last like twenty minutes of the movie is just basically mm -hmm. her. What we've established previously in the film, and I just want to like rush through this because we've been talking about this for a very long time, is that she and Sarah established that. When the when the teachers seem when the staff seems to leave the school, they're not actually leaving the school. If you listen very carefully, you can tell that their footsteps aren't actually leaving. They're actually going into the headmaster headmistress's office and sort of disappearing. Mm -hmm. But that if you listen to the footsteps, you can you can count the footsteps and tell where they go in the school. And so Susie's like, I'm gonna figure this out once and for all. She sneaks into the office and oh also when she first showed up at the school and pat hingle was running out she there was a huge storm going on she couldn't hear what pat hingle was saying but she caught a few words one of them was blue irises i think uh and mm -hmm. she goes into the headmistress's office she can't figure out what's going on but there's these irises on the wall one of them's blue she figures out if you turn the blue iris <laughs> it opens up a secret passageway this scene 
this scene yes here was was i was like there's one thing of color in this entire room right also it protrudes from the wall also touch it touch it it will open you don't need to look into the mirror and have a massive flashback it's obvious it's Argento. <laughs> um, it's not about the mystery. It's about the visuals, um, which we haven't even talked about. This movie is like a wash with color. Uh, it, it uses color in such a way that I believe that, like he said, like the only way to process, like the processing for this film took so like was so tricky because like only like one lab in the world could do it. It was like to get the color right. The cinematographer for this movie, by the way, uh, absolute genius. Uh, Lu- Luciano Tavoli mm-hmm. did this and most of the credit for how it looks goes to him. Like he figured out things to do with light and filters and uh, film stock that like had never been done before. Hasn't been done since uh, like there was just no way to isolate color in that way. Like he had to figure it out. Um, so yeah, Susie turns the thing. She goes underground. She goes, she like follows the footsteps. She's like, okay, 10 footsteps this way, footsteps this way. She finds the witches. They're they're having a secret witch meeting, and they're basically like saying, "Gotta kill, gotta kill her." <laughs> right, kill her, kill, kill, kill Susie Banyan, kill, kill, kill. She's, I'm like, I'm like, really glad you stumbled onto the meeting at this point. Um, yeah. Uh, so she she finds she gets spotted by the little boy. Right, and she has to run, and she runs into mm-hmm. Mater Suspiriorum's. Well, uh, first, first. First, she tries to hide in a little alcove, and she turns around, and the corpse of Sarah is there with needles in her eyes. Which is horrifying. Mm -hmm. Right. So then she finds Mother Suspiriorm's bedroom. Uh, Mother Suspiriorm is behind a curtain. Uh, I should just say Helena Marcos. And there's a glass peacock. Right. And there's a fancy peacock. glass peacock. peacock. Uh, She sees Mother- And she bumps into the peacock. Which breaks it. And that's when Helena Marcos wakes up and starts being like- Mm -hmm. And what's funny is- Argento was like, until this movie, like, witches had traditionally been like, and he credits uh, uh, Snow White with the look of this movie is his big, like, he, like that's the first movie he's always just like, this movie is based, like, is Snow White. Like, it's about at Snow, like, it is influenced mostly by Disney's Snow White. Also Wizard of Oz. Uh, and then a bunch of other stuff, but mostly Snow White and Wizard of Oz. But he's like, Snow White and Wizard of Oz, like, witches had always been like, he, 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 like, cackling and, like, wicked witches. He's like, I wanted to do something new with witches. Uh, but it's funny, so at the very end of the movie, the main witch is like, <laughs> like a cackling witch like hello i you found me what you gonna do kill me because she pulls back the curtain and you can't see helena marco she's totally invisible mm-hmm. except you can hear her though you sure can she's wheezy and cackly also um, she doesn't seem to be moving so you can probably guess pretty easily where she's sitting well she's also incredibly old also whenever the lightning <laughs> strikes you can see her outline uh which is a pretty cool yep. effect i think i think that's a pretty mm-hmm. rad effect um one thing that you might be interested in learning is that uh, there were no real uh, visual effects in this movie. Almost every single thing was done in camera. Uh, they figured all the all the weird special effects and stuff done totally in camera with uh, with like glass plates and things like that. Like so, that's pretty pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, so she 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 knocks over this peacock. It breaks. She picks up one of the peacock quills. This is this is when Sarah comes back full zombie mode uh, and attacks her. What does she, how does she get rid of Sarah? How does she get her out of the picture? She kills, she just kills uh, Mother Suspiria and Sarah's corpse disappears. That's right. She sta- She waits until the lightning flashes. She sees the outline of Mother Suspiriorum. She stabs her. Mother Suspiriorum becomes visible. She is a wrinkly old witch. Susie runs out of the building as 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 it uh, collapses around her house of Usher style, uh, catches fire. Mm-hmm. The whole building is on fire and credits roll. The witches are it. screaming. Yeah. And that's it. She did it. 
Story's over. She's out of the nightmare. Uh, it should be pointed out that only when she's in the airport and meeting with the with the psychiatrist, it's the only two times the movie is filmed in anything approaching uh, naturalistic lighting and naturalistic setting. I don't know. The airport's pretty unnatural lighting. But mostly it's bright red. It is bright red, but that also has the benefit <laughs> of whenever the sliding doors open, you hear the score, and whenever the sliding doors close, the score stops. Like you know that she's about to step into weirdness. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's Suspiria. It's a pretty cut and dry tale again it's not so much about what it's about as it is about what you see and hear in the movie the plot is kind of irrelevant like you kind of figure out what's going on early on we don't really know what the witch's motives were like what they were after like they had girls i mean i didn't get the fact that they were sacrificing the girls from the movie that just wasn't something like i just it wasn't something i thought was happening so i thought they were just trying to like be rich and like run this school and i was like well then why are you bothering them just let them do their witch stuff because if anyone figures anything out then they get murdered horribly um the cops never get called the only time we see the police is during the scene where daniel gets killed people disappear is kind of how it's it's phrased and Susie's friends are disappearing and clearly dying. So she wants to figure out what's going on. Uh, we never find out what happens yeah. to Susie Banyan. Uh, she's never mentioned again. Uh, the next movie. I assume she goes home. I hope she goes home. I hope she gets uh, I hope she gets her, her tuition back. <laughs> I hope she well, gets. Well, I mean, all the people are dead. So who's going to give her the tuition back? I don't know. I'm sure there's maybe there's an off-campus uh, financial department. I don't know. This They'd was... all be dead too. I assume anyone involved in the staffing of this place is a witch. So yeah, uh, this movie was released. It was an immediate success. It was released in America, where it was an immediate success. This movie was super popular. The American version was uh, edited down. Uh, a lot of the more explicit gore was cut out, but it it became it was. Just as soon as it hit, people were just like, this is an amazing movie. And uh, then it disappeared for a long time. You could find it in kind of like really cruddy VHS. That's how I first saw it. It was like a sort of a crappy VHS copy that I got from like mm-hmm. Premiere Video or something. And then it kind of faded in. It kind of became not a it didn't become a legendary film. Like it was available, but it just kind of like never it, 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 it lost its place in the canon for a while. And it was only in the mm-hmm. last few years that... It was restored, and it was restored thanks to the efforts of several filmmakers, including our own Guillermo del Toro. Uh, While he was working on The Shape of Water, he was also helping restore this movie, and it was not an easy task. The restoration of this film took four years uh, of just wheedlings and dealings with the people who owned the original prints, the negatives, getting it restored like to its original color using like with the original like intent of Dario Argento and Guillermo del Toro was there the whole time trying to find the quote he said this is he said it's a very important film it's very important to celebrate its place in history it takes hold of the giallo and adds something new that makes it a powerful innovative work of art when Guillermo del Toro was asked about what he thought of the remake that was coming out uh, he said the golden rule on any remake should be the re-release in some format of the original, at least from a cinephile point of view. In the 90s and the 2000s, when remakes were being made, the secret good news for collectors was that a VHS or a DVD of the original was going to come out. But now we have the opportunity to revisit Suspiria on the big screen. Um, in, in fact, and that's very, to him, very important. Um, and it was important that to him, 
that this wasn't a traditionally gothic horror piece, uh, that it was happening in a modern day European city to a girl that everyone in the cinema could identify with. He says there are two types of genre movies, the ones that take you on a ride, but you know it's never going to go off the rails, and other horror films where you feel that the driver is a madman and that this bus could go off the cliff at any second. And that's what Suspiria has going for it. That makes it entirely unique. In many ways, it's un repeatable. So I don't even think we have to wonder what Guillermo del Toro thought about Suspiria because he told us in many interviews. I think that the only movie that really uh, compares to this one for me, at least like character wise, is The House That Screams. It's got a lot of, got, got because, a lot of its DNA because, in it. Because in The House That Screams, the girl we're following the entire time die, dies. <laughs> and I think that this movie had that sort of same feel to it. Like the main character isn't safe. Yeah. Like, she could have died at any moment, and we would have been like, okay, well, who are we following now? Mm -hmm. No, I think this movie definitely carries a lot of that in it. Yeah, and I think that this movie is a good one to pair with The House That Screams as well. Yeah, make it a nice double feature. You get a lot of girls in a school acting weird. You get some creepy headmistresses, uh, some mysteries behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. Would it surprise you if you found out that Argento originally wanted to cast uh, 12 and 13-year-olds in this movie instead of no. the more adult women? He originally wrote it for it to be young girls and was told by the producers, absolutely not. Uh, you, have, you have students being stabbed through the heart and <laughs> sliced to bits by razor wire. We cannot and will not be able to sell this movie if you cast 13-year-olds in the role. He was finally able to to have that in the movie Phenomena with uh, Jennifer Connelly because he made that when she was, I think, 14 or 15. No, I think this actually, I think the movie would have been a lot more horrific had it been younger girls. Oh, yeah. Also, don't believe anything you, uh, everything you hear from Dario Argento about the, the origins of this movie. He and Daria Nicolodi fought tooth and nail. Uh, she, she had to fight to get her name put on the writing credits for this because Dario Argento wanted to take mm -hmm. all the credit for it. Uh, apparently, they hooked up because of Deep Red. They met and hooked up in Deep Red. By the time Suspiria came out, they were already having a lot of problems in their relationship. Uh, Daria Argento was very controlling. Daria Nicolodi wanted the credit for her writing. Uh, she also co-wrote Inferno, but I do not believe she's on it because she was so tired of fighting for credit. She was like, fine, whatever. Just take it. Take it. And they had a pretty a pretty intense relationship until they finally broke up in the mid-80s. They stayed on working terms, but uh, they had problems. But yeah, so that's, that's Suspiria. If you want to get a copy of it, get the 4K release on Blu-ray. It's beautiful. It's got... I had to get the non-super version because my player can't handle as good a picture. But I have a 4K, uh, mm -hmm. a, a bare-bones version. It has the commentary tracks on it. Uh, the massive super production uh, has a ton of a ton of uh, a documentary stuff and making of and behind the scenes and interviews and things. Totally worth it if you want to know more about Suspiria. If you don't want to know that much about Suspiria, just want to get a copy of the movie, buy the 4K Blu-ray. It's beautiful. You will not... Uh, it's Synapse Films. They did the restoration and it is a, it is mm -hmm. a gorgeous piece of work. Highly, highly recommended um, for your horror collection. Um, Willow, what is our next movie? No idea. No idea. I'll give you a hint. Uh, uh, Frankenstein? No. Dawn of the Dead? Ah, close. Close. Uh, uh, dead, dead at dawn. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember what the name of the movie is. Coming up, our next movie is one that I have been not looking forward to, but very interested in returning to. Uh, 1979's, depending on which title you want for it, Zombie or Zombie Flesh Eaters or Zombie 2. <laughs> so 
trust me, when we talk about the title of this movie, it's going to take about five minutes because... It's, it's, it's no The Dead Eyes of Dr. Dracula, but I guess it'll do. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. This has been Suspiria. I'm so glad to watch it with my child. And uh, tune in next time for Zombie uh, and Willow. Uh, I'm your father and I love you very much. I love you too, Dad. <laughs> I will see you all. That's not our outro. But... God dang it. No, it's not. I'm Phil. <laughs> and I'm Willow. And we'll see you when it's Del Toro time. time.